weekend warriors the foreign affairs podcast that asks so what else is happening in the world i'm essie cup while president trump was in vietnam watching the chances of a denuclearization deal with north korea slip through his fingers a few thousand miles away two actual nuclear powers escalated a heated military conflict that has many in the world on edge the recent tensions between india and pakistan flared up two weeks ago when, on February 14th, a suicide bomber from a Pakistani militant group killed 40 Indian security forces in Indian-controlled Kashmir. This week, India retaliated by sending fighter jets across the disputed border and bombing the group's camp. Pakistan, in return, answered with airstrikes of its own, claiming to have downed two Indian jets. It was the first time these two countries have launched airstrikes against one another since 1971. And the rapid escalation compelled Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, while in Vietnam with Trump, to call on both sides to avoid escalation at any cost and to start communicating directly, echoing similar pleas from China and Britain. Now, overnight, Pakistan's prime minister announced they will release the captured Indian pilot on Friday as a, quote, gesture of peace. But despite the pronouncement, India remains on high alert today, and the two countries have been shelling each other across the disputed border. In fact, as Prime Minister Khan made his announcement, it was reported four Pakistani civilians were killed in the cross-border shelling. Now, the complicated dispute over the Kashmir state goes back some 70 years, and the events of the last two weeks have some analysts, including my next guest, fearing that this is the closest the world has come to a nuclear conflict since the Cuban Missile Crisis of 1962. Here to analyze the situation is Moeed Youssef, Associate Vice President of the Asia Center at the United States Institute for Peace. He's also author of Brokering Peace in Nuclear Environments. Um, Moeed, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So, uh, 30,000-foot view before we get into all the details. How worried should people be that this could break out into a major world conflict, possibly a nuclear one? I think slightly less worried than they would have been 24 hours ago before Pakistan announced that the pilot they'd captured would be released. But still, uh, both uh, militaries are mobilized. They're on alert. uh, And the the slightest mistake on either side uh, could escalate the situation. So if anybody is being complacent, think again. So, yeah, talk about what, what you mean, the slightest mistake. I've been reading analysts talking about, you know, this doesn't have to fall apart at the top. Um, you know, small, small mistakes through the ranks could actually complicate this even worse. Yes, look, I mean, I'll give you the empirical evidence we have, which is that India struck Pakistan, as you explained, through airstrikes. Um, that in itself was a miscalculation. And the reason India did this was that two years ago, two and a half years ago, there was another terrorist attack on an Indian army camp in Kashmir, uh, to which India retaliated with uh, surgical strikes, with, with similar kind of strikes close to the border. Uh, and the Pakistanis basically did not react. And the world backed India's right to do that in response to terrorism. India thought it was going to be exactly the same again. Um, Their their strikes were slightly more inflated, but not by much. uh, And they were 
hoping that Pakistan would come under international pressure and not respond. They got it wrong. And because of that, Pakistan responded, and we were on the verge of a major war uh, about 36 hours ago. Now we hear that uh, India has also mobilized tanks in, in the last 24 to 36 hours. Um, Pakistan is uh, seeing this very closely. Uh, and if, you know, there, there's an error in terms of judgment on whether Indian movement is meant uh, to be an offensive or simply precautionary, uh, Pakistan may react. And the fog of war can take over very easily. Yeah. Remember, these are two geographically contiguous nuclear powers. So if they launch a missile, for instance, in 10 minutes, it's on the other side hitting a target. Wow. Um, that really puts it into stark, stark relief. Um, and, and just to paint a bigger picture for my, for my listeners, this is all happening against a backdrop of, of regional politics, not just the a decades-long uh, fight over, over Kashmir, but, but regional elections. Uh, Pakistan's leader Imran Khan is newly elected. India's prime minister Narendra Modi is up for re-election. And in fact, experts from both sides agree that Modi's retaliation was, in some part, um, to look tough on terrorism before his election. So talk about that sort of landscape uh, that's happening right now. Absolutely. I don't think in small part, in large part, mm. the Indian action, Prime Minister Modi's action was a function of his domestic troubles at home. Mm. Um, you know, he was sitting pretty domestically, but has lost a few um, uh, state elections, uh, was under pressure. Uh, and he's a nationalist who's very hawkish on Pakistan. His constituency is the right wing uh, that, that shares his anti-Pakistan perspective. And so this actually was something that he was using and was going to use mm. to the hilt uh, politically. Um, uh, domestically in India. Uh, it's backfired because of Pakistan's response, and especially because Pakistan captured a pilot and sort of paraded that, you know, in, in public uh, to put uh, Prime Minister Modi on the back foot. But now he's under even more pressure because the political opposition is after him, his constituency is after him to say why this mistake was made or what can he do to make amends. Um, the Pakistani side is less worrisome because it is a new government. It's a popular government. I think they can absorb um, if they have to pull back and essentially declare that the crisis is over. Um, you know, I think it's the Indian politics right now yeah. that's driven the behavior, and that's the worry, quite frankly. Well, and talk about, aside from just the election, there has been a new interest in taking on terrorist factions in Pakistan and India. Um, India's finance minister, Arun Jutley, said— the following. I remember when U.S. Navy SEALs went to Abbottabad to kill Osama bin Laden. Then why can't India? This used to be only an imagination, a wish, a frustration and disappointment. But it's possible today. Are we, Moeed, witnessing an Indian war on terror? Uh, you know, it's easier said than done. One, mm -hmm. um, India cannot do it uh, precisely because you have two nuclear powers fairly evenly matched uh, and who could essentially assure the other's destruction. This wasn't the case with the U.S. and Pakistan. The Pakistanis were not going to think of any nuclear response to the U.S. Uh, the second issue is, quite frankly, uh, that there is a the history of trouble between India and Pakistan over disputes like Kashmir. Uh, and so any time India aggresses or Pakistan does something to India, um, the domestic sentiment becomes even stronger against the other. Um, in fact, militant groups uh, recruit on the basis of aggression from the other side. So the Indian uh, airstrike, quite frankly, will actually bolster the ranks of, of some of the, these militant groups. But India also has a serious internal problem in Kashmir where the situation law and order is out of control, 
uh, and that's why this attack, uh, some argue, has happened because of the internal problems that India is having. So mm. I don't think it's as simple as India, um, you know, declaring a war on terror and, and physically uh, doing something uh, like the U.S. did to, to get Osama bin Laden. I think that was an exception. Mm. Only the U.S. Uh, could have pulled that off. And I think India is quite cognizant of that. And that's the frustration on the Indian side, that if there's a terrorist attack, uh, there are nuclear weapons involved, and they, they really can't do much uh, mm. in terms of deterring this kind of terrorism uh, that has traditionally come from groups based in Pakistan. Well, talk talk to me about one of those groups. Jaish uh, A. Mohammed is, is taking responsibility for this particular suicide bombing attack in India. It's a terrorist group being harbored in Pakistan. What do you know about that group that uh, my listeners would like to know? So this is a group that actually came up when Pakistan was uh, actively supporting an insurgency in Indian Kashmir. Remember, Indian Kashmir is a disputed territory uh, and and has been restive and and out of India's um, sort of uh, total control for a number of years. Uh, And so this group, along with others, uh, were recruiting inside Pakistan and elsewhere in the Muslim world and uh, basically fighting uh, the Indian security forces in Indian Kashmir um, during the 90s and the early 2000s. Then Pakistan started clamping down on this group, uh, started changing its policy when India and Pakistan were uh, in the midst of a peace process after 2003-2004. And this group began to splinter, and some of them turned inward against the Pakistani state to take revenge for the change in Pakistani strategy. Uh, And since then, this has been an ambivalent, murky group. Some parts of it um, are are, are loose, essentially, uh, and other other parts in the leadership uh, still resides uh, inside Pakistan. And that's sort of the argument that India makes, that whether this particular attack happened um, through the blessings of the uh, leadership of the group or not, whether it was indigenous in Indian Kashmir or not, but the leadership is still in India, uh, in Pakistan, mm. and thus Pakistan has a responsibility uh, to do something about them and make sure that they are not uh, active. Uh, and the world uh, supports that uh, Indian claim um, for, the, for the most part. So historically, tensions in this region have only been tamped down when the U.S. or maybe Beijing or other world actors get involved. Um, Do you see India and Pakistan being able to sort of mediate this on their own right now? That's an excellent question. And, and you started off by saying that uh, some, including me, have argued that since Cuba, this is, this is the most dangerous situation. Yeah. One of the big reasons for that is that India and Pakistan do not have any direct uh, mechanisms to control escalation and tensions in crises. Every single crisis that they've had since they tested nuclear weapons in 98, they've had three or four major crises. Each one of them uh, was terminated by U.S. intervention. Mm-hmm. Behind the scenes, sometimes public, but the U.S., uh, led by the U.S., other countries, China, etc., the world came together to mediate and broker an end to the crisis. This is the first time we find uh, the U.S. essentially distracted by a number of other things. North Korea is going on. Afghanistan and Taliban talks are going on. Of course, we are seeing domestic developments in in the U.S. that are going to distract the, the U.S. president and administration. And so we haven't seen the kind of authoritative image shuttle diplomacy um, and sort of coordination among great powers uh, to come and force India and Pakistan to pull back and and end the crisis. And that's, I think, one of the reasons, quite frankly, this crisis has lingered and continues to linger, uh, because the message from the world does not seem to be crystal clear.
Well, and in fact, to your point, Pakistan's ambassador to the U.S., Assad Majin Khan, told a group of reporters just this week that he wants more U.S. involvement. He, he said, we certainly would like to have more and would certainly like to see more active involvement of the United States. There is perhaps no other country better placed than the United States to be able to play some role. That's his quote. Again, that strikes me as him sort of not really understanding the current United States. Maybe the past United States uh, would be no, you know, no, no other country better placed um, to play some role. But the current United States under this current administration, I'm not so sure there's an interest or willingness there. Yeah. So I, I think this is the uh, this is the problem. You've you've rightly pointed to it. Uh, I think both in India and Pakistan there is a longing uh, for the for the old U.S. crisis diplomacy. Quite frankly, yeah. uh, India never sort of wants to publicly acknowledge third party involvement unless it's supportive. It's been allergic to that. Pakistan, of course, has always wanted the U.S. and others to come in. Uh, but but you are right. This is a different kind of, of Washington, uh, different approach right now. And maybe uh, Pakistan and India are reading uh, too little uh, into mm. how things may have changed here. Mm. That said, I will say that it's more complicated than that because the part of the um, ambassador's statement that you quoted that is still correct is that there is actually nobody else who can do what the U.S. can do. Nobody else has the kind of real-time intelligence capabilities. The Chinese right. are definitely not willing and ready to lead. They are willing to support, uh, but I don't think they can do much more than that. So on the one hand, the compulsion uh, for the U.S. to do this um, remains as as much as it was in the past, but as you pointed out, maybe the willingness or perhaps the focus uh, at this point is not nearly what what it used to be. Yeah, we we can, but we might not. Um, Moeed Youssef, thank you so much for coming on Weekend Warriors to discuss this. I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure. And that does it for us on this episode of Weekend Warriors. I'm Essie Cup. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk next time. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.